Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse football's frustrating loss to Rutgers and the job security of Dino Babers. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and it's our great pleasure to be joined by Stephen Bailey from 24-7 Sports and CuseNation.com. Stephen, how are you today? I'm great, Wes. Thanks so much for having me on, as always. Yeah, absolutely, Stephen. And I want to get you started on this one. Syracuse's offense only scored seven points in a 17-7 loss to Rutgers over the weekend. This has been an ongoing issue for two-plus seasons now. What can they do at this point to improve? Yeah, there's. I think there are a lot of issues, and some of them are, are kind of obvious, like dropping passes. Uh, missed throws, you know, if you go back and, and watch the offensive line, you can tell when a guy gets beat off the snap. So there's a whole bunch of that kind of stuff they need to clean up. And then, uh, to me, communication in the passing was, was a big problem. You know, they lean a lot on choice routes where receivers and, and the quarterback essentially need to read coverage the same way, anticipate that, and, and then, you know, act on it. And when it works, you'll, you'll have the element of, uh, of kind of surprise. And, and as Dino Baber said, you can kind of maximize gains. And when it doesn't work, you know, you have interceptions, um, you have situations where the quarterback is stuck holding onto the ball. Uh, you know, you have the negative body language that we've seen so often from Syracuse's wide receivers in the last couple of years. So, you know, I think they really need to sort those out. They, they put in more concept-based passing this year, which is, Receiver runs a route. <laughs> you know, that's the route they're running. Uh, and it's probably easier to cover schematically um, if you know what's coming. But um, the quarterback knows where the receiver is going to be, right? So so I think that needs to be sorted out. And, and Tommy DeVito himself pointed to early down rushes. So Syracuse was in third and long basically the whole game against Rutgers. Um, you know, so they, they, need, they need to figure out how that. So basically everything. Oh, man, that's not great to hear. But I am glad you ended your answer touching on the quarterback situation because both Tommy DeVito and Garrett Strader played. What's your take on the quarterback situation right now? Yeah, so Garrett said after the game, and I think he summed it up well, that it's not about who, it's about what. Um, you know, the biggest problems with Syracuse is on guard, the offensive line and the, and the passing game and the communication in the passing game. And penalties, you know, against Rutgers penalties in particular. And, uh, the quarterbacks factor into all of that. but it, it hasn't necessarily been a matter of who's been on the field when you go back and, and watch the game. You know, the Tommy DeVito had a bunch of drop passes and a bunch of penalties. Garrett Schrader had penalties, um, you know, hold, hold them back, a holding call on Luke Benson. Or excuse me, an alignment call on Matthew Bergeron brought back it, what would have been a first thing. Um, you know, miss, missed blitz pickups. Carlos Federello missed a stunt here the center on back-to-back drives coming up the middle. Uh, so, you know, it's it's this weird thing where you've got this quarterback battle going on, but the bigger issues, at least in my eyes, are, are, are the offense of pass protection 
and with communication in the passing game. So, you know, Dino Babers wants to keep looking at both of them. Um, Tommy DeVito said today that he basically implied basically he thinks he's done enough to be the starter, but he understands it's the coach's decision. Uh, It's just kind of hanging out there. You know, frankly, I don't think it's, it's ideal considering everything else that's going on, but in the day and age of the transfer portal and you bring a guy in and say you'll give him a chance, it's a difficult position for a head coach to be in. Steven, you mentioned the offensive line. It's better from last year, though that's not saying much, but it seems like they're really missing Dakota Davis, who's coming off an injury. How important is he to the offensive line improving when he gets back? Yeah, I mean, Dino Babers and then Tommy DeVito earlier today both basically said he's on his way back. You know, I don't know if that means he's starting in Albany, going to play against Albany, or or they're going to hold him for liberty. You know, based on what they're saying, I think, you know, one of the first two answers um, it's huge. You know, he's, I think, probably their best interior lineman, given size, strength, experience, you know, knowledge of what he's doing. Uh, I think it could be really important now, <laughs> you know, keeping everybody healthy goes hand in hand with that. If you get Dakota back and you lose somewhere else, then you've got to scramble on again. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm curious to see what the starting five will be against Albany. Do you maybe move Aaron Service or Chris Bleich to center and push Carlos Veterello out of the lineup or potentially Darius Tisdale out of the lineup? Um, I don't know. You know, there's a number of different things they could try out. But, you know, the better the offensive line plays, the bigger the margin for error for basically the rest of the team, right? The margin for error was essentially zero last year. Now there is some. You know, Tommy DeVito did get some clean pockets against Rutgers. And I think that's why that loss really stung more, because Syracuse was capable of winning that game. They lost a bunch of games they should have lost last year. Um, but the line was good enough to give them a chance against Rutgers, and, and the skill position players just didn't do enough. Um, so if Joe comes back, he can open up that margin for error a little bit wider and maybe get away with some of the mistakes that have, have really been hampering that unit. Steven, you and I are both on Twitter. We follow a chatter about Syracuse on social media and in the message boards. If you just go on fan sentiment alone, Dino Baper seems to have lost the confidence of the fan base. But in your conversations with the athletic administration, how hot is Dino Baper's seat right now? I don't think it's like he might get fired during the season hot. Um, you know, I think this year was always going to be important and it, and it went really badly. You know, it might start the end of his time in Syracuse. You know, I think. I think it's as much about, okay, do you see a path to success as it is about, well, how many wins and losses do they have this year? And when you score seven points like that and have so many of the visible failures that the offense did and, and that the kicking game did, you know, it kind of lends itself, it lends itself more towards the line of thinking that, like, this, is, this isn't going to work. Um, now, it was only week two, and I think these are largely fans overreacting that, um, you know, so to me, it's still, it's still like a wait-and-see situation. I think Syracuse still has a chance to win five or six games this year if they play well and, and you know, avoid the injury issues that have, have popped up in past years. That's a big if. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's like, you know, you know we're, we're looking out to see if Dino's going to get fired or anything like that. Um, you know, he just he, he needs to take a step forward this year. And, I mean, from 1 and 10, obviously, you're going to take a step forward. They're going to be Albany on Saturday. And, and, and then about 
you know, having the belief that you can take a step forward from that, right? And that's, uh, you know, that's the hard part. And he's going to, if he doesn't have to show it fully this year, I, I suspect he will by the end of next year at the latest. And Stephen, we'll get you out of here on this one. You said there's still a chance at six wins, but I think the likelihood is probably more in the three to four range. How do you see the rest of the season playing out in terms of wins and losses? Yeah, I mean, as far as likelihood, definitely three or four. Obviously, I think two and one going into the Liberty game. That and Florida State will be big. Um, if you can split those and be three and two going into, I believe, Lake Forest, that's not bad. If you got Clemson the week after that, um, and the weeks are going to stack together, right? You go nine weeks before a bye. That is a long time. So, you know, I, I think getting a few wins early would, would be really, really helpful because depth is not the strength of this team. And when you play Clemson in, what is that, like week seven, it's just, you know, that's the kind of game that can that can really take the life out of the season if a couple guys suffer serious injuries. So, you know, I think the, the biggest thing I'm watching is, is just that, player availability and injuries. Syracuse's first-team players are good enough to win some games in the ACC, uh, but not if you only, you know, not if you don't, if, not if you don't have DeVito or Matthew Bergeron or Taj Harris. Or, you know, you start picking off a couple of key defenders. It's, the depth there is not capable of winning in the ACC. So it's all about staying healthy. Uh, and then I think figuring out figuring out the pass game. They really got to do it. And if they don't do it before Liberty, it's going to be really hard to do once the ACC slate gets going. Stephen, thanks so much for coming on the program. Again, our great friend Stephen Bailey from CuseNation.com and 24-7 Sports. Stephen, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the rest of the college football season, and we'll speak with you soon. Yeah, thanks so much, Wes. Always great chatting with Stephen. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse with a 17-7 loss to Rutgers on Saturday. Seemingly little went right for the Orange on offense. You were up in Syracuse covering the game. What did you see from the press box? I saw a really disappointing defeat because that game was there for the taking, Wes. Syracuse really, in my mind, if they had a little bit of offense, if they had a few of the breaks go their way, uh, if there perhaps wasn't a Big Ten officiating crew, that might have turned out to be a, a win instead of a loss and makes it even more frustrating because you have to win home. It's so tough for Syracuse to win on the road, and I consider the Rutgers game, game just like an ACC uh, league game, and Syracuse has to win those games in the Dome. And a side note, the crowd was just awesome. They were loud. They were enthusiastic. They did their best to provide the 12th man advantage. And the Orange did not take advantage of that on the field. I was really perplexed by some of the play calling offensively. Uh, it's been well documented about the turnovers. The penalties drive me absolutely crazy. It seems like you and I have talked about it every season that Dino Babers has been the head coach. I always say the same thing. Penalties are on the head coach. That's all about discipline. That's all about mental toughness. And you can't make mistakes like illegal formations. You can't lose your cool and get flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct penalty as Dino Babers did on the sideline. You kind of have to have a better sense of who the officials are. They talk to the officials on the field before the game. They get a feel for that sort of thing. You can't afford to lose your cool on the sideline. 
Uh, on the flip side, uh, the defense was just awesome. I really loved the Syracuse defense. Perhaps a little bit more of a pass rush up front from the seniors who have come back uh, on the defensive line. Love the linebacker play so far. Really love the defensive secondary. And then I'm really mystified why Dino Babers hasn't done more with the special teams. Uh, you know, Andre Schmidt has missed 10 field goals in three seasons. Unfortunately, he missed against Rutgers really badly, shanked it from to the left. Uh, I don't know why you put in a backup punter. After the game, he says the number two punter was better than the number one punter in that situation deep in Syracuse territory. Well, James Williams had done a great turn the field around a punt in the first half. I was really high on him coming out of high school. Almost thought he could beat Nolan Cooney last year. I really think he's a great punter. I'm really mystified as to why he wasn't in the game punting in that situation in the second half. So all in all, this was a game there for the taking to get to 2-0, and which would have been a big accomplishment for this team. Instead, of course, ends up with that disappointing defeat. Brad, the Orange will play FCS Albany this Saturday. Obviously, Syracuse will be a heavy favorite, but what are you looking for in this game that's mostly a tune-up for the rest of the year? I'm looking for Syracuse to correct the mistakes that they see on film after the Rutgers game, uh, an opportunity to get some more players into the game if, if indeed there's a, a big second-half lead. But I kind of say if because was checking the record so far, West. Eight FCS teams have beaten FBS teams. We're not even into the third week of the season. That's really a high number uh, to me. And, boy, that Florida State loss to Jacksonville State, you got to be kidding me. I went back and saw that in Jacksonville State's opener on September 1st, they lost to Alabama-Birmingham 31 nothing, And then they go to Tallahassee and shock Florida State. And, of course, the other big one, Montana beating Washington. Your guard has to be up. Every team, every FCS team that comes in is going to be playing at Super Bowl, trying to pull off the upset or shocker of the season. And again, it just amazes me uh, where the parity is if to see eight FCS teams already win against FBS competition. So this is a game to be on guard, get the offense back into a groove here, get some of the playmakers going. I'd like to see some other wide receivers get into the game. I'd like to see more passes to tight ends. I'd like to see a running attack really established. And when the opportunities uh, arise for special teams, good punting, good uh, field goal kicking, and good kickoffs and punting for field position, those are kind of the improvements needed to see now from week two to week three. And Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts? I want to touch a little bit more on the Dome, Wes. It was a great experience for the first game with fans in two seasons. The Dome looked great. It really looks modern. Tip of the hat to Pete Sala and his crew. The uh, the uh, corridors, the hallways, all bright and modern looking. The signage is all uniform. It really looks sharp. Uh, the giant video board on top is everything that they said it was going to be. It really makes the game more entertaining. The only negative is they still have not figured out the public address announcing in 40-plus years at the Dome. I guess they have to make some adjustments now with this new uh, permanent roof. Uh, the referee's mic system works great. The PA system, the audio still has to be improved upon, but they had a great game day experience. Everything moved along during the timeouts, and, again, I really want to salute the crowd. Uh, they were loud. 
the noise stays under that new roof. It really gets loud in there. Looking forward to when that's really going to be a great loud house home field advantage for the rest of the season. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Michael Jones, who was named ACC Linebacker of the Week after he recorded a team-high 11 tackles and a career-best 2.5 tackles for loss against Rutgers. Jones currently ranks ninth nationally with 11 tackles per game. And as much as Syracuse's offense has struggled, Syracuse's defense has looked very impressive to start the year, and Jones is a huge part of that. Congratulations to him on the honor. That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that I can move objects with my mind if I use my hands. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.